Welcome to the St. Gabriel Catholic Radio Weekly Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, for the third week of Easter. Happy Easter, Your Excellency. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Yes, He has. He has risen, and He is amongst us now. Indeed. Indeed. And we've been celebrating Easter as Easter these days, right? Even this past week, we celebrate... The gospel, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. We heard Luke's account pretty much of the same thing we heard last week. We heard Luke's account of the appearance of uh, of Jesus to the eleven. You know, what he says uh, in Luke 24, while they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. And then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you... Why do questions arise in your hearts? Exactly. Exactly. You know, one of the things I enjoy during this time of Easter is reading from the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, certainly that we do it liturgically, but even in my own prayer life. And it's uh, such a renewal every year to go back over the Acts of the Apostles. And um, in these days right now, in the early part of the season, we hear about the boldness of the apostles, and there's a word, a Greek word, uh, parasia, and that kind of a boldness is not just boldness being brash, you know, it, it, it's not boldness of this is what I think or this is what I want, but the boldness of parasia, the boldness that we see in the Acts of the Apostles, is a boldness that's rooted in an encounter with the truth, the unshakable, irrefutable truth. And what you just described, that the, the words you read to us from the scriptures, that's the source of the boldness of the apostles Peter and John. You know, we, we hear how they say, um, without any hesitation, this Jesus who was crucified is alive. He, God raised him up, and we are his witnesses. Why could they say that? Because they, they just had this strong conviction in their heart? No, because they sat at the table, because he stood before them. And yeah, why, why do such questions arise? And you look and see and touch. They felt his arms, his hands. They felt the flesh and the bones. They knew that it was really he and that he was really alive. Um, it's the, the 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 boldness is that is that conviction. It you you can't you you can't refute that. It's it, it happened. Peter saw it with his own eyes, experienced it, not a figment of his imagination. And and all the apostles. And you know, Peter was not. He may have been brash, but he wasn't always bold. He was bold. <laughs> beca- <laughs> he was bold because because of what happened, and of course, with the power of the Spirit. Yeah. I have to say one thing about I, I, that, about that episode. Then, then Jesus says, "Do you have anything to eat?" And they sat down, right? Mm-hmm. And they brought him a piece of baked fish. I asked this question at mass. I said, "Gee, if I would have died on the cross and risen from the dead, I think I would have liked something better than a piece <laughs> of baked fish." <laughs> oh, that's too much. And, and, <laughs> you know, the word that you use too is unshakable. Those apostles Unshake. were unshakable. How can yeah. we become unshakable in our belief that we've experienced Christ? Well, you know, there's 
similarity and difference. So I'll start with the difference. You know, we do have to rely on their testimony. And I believe their testimony very firmly because I think there's a lot of evidence behind their testimony. Um, even just to have seen the change in them um, underscores um, the, the truth of what happened. Yet they saw with their eyes, uh, you know, and, and Jesus says, blessed are you who believe without seeing. But they, they saw with their eyes and felt with their hands. That's what makes them unshakable. But what is similar is we have received the same spirit. We, in baptism and confirmation, we receive the Holy Spirit. And so it's, it's drawing from that experience. Um, I, one of the things we need to do is to be conscious of our encounters with the risen Lord. Where in your life have you experienced the closeness of Jesus Christ? Where has he helped you through a tough situation? Where has he given you strength? Um, where has he... He touched your heart and given you some consolation. Where has he inspired you? Where has he called you to live outside of yourself? Um, to, to, so it's being conscious of that. And I know I repeat myself on this, but the other, I, I can't get away from the scriptures and particularly the gospels. And this week, these days, the Acts of the Apostles. Um, read, read or listen, encounter Christ in his holy scriptures. So let him speak to you in the gospel. Or, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, I, I call it the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It tells us, it, it's, it, it's written by Luke, so it still has the same nature as the four gospels. But the Acts of the Apostles tell us about what happened after the resurrection, and where Jesus was alive, and, uh, and how he worked in, in the hearts of the apostles. The other thing is, like everything else, we need to encourage and support each other, don't we? Mm. You know, I think of some uh, big, ex- big experiences like um, World Youth Day, where you, sometimes young people feel like they're the only ones who've experienced this, or they're the only ones who believe this, and they're made to feel odd. There's nothing like a million other people who had the same experience to lift you up and give you confidence, is there? Mm. And so our faith-sharing groups, our being together for Holy Mass, for the Sacred Eucharist, um, the, our, um, our gatherings, you know, Bible studies and prayer groups, all of those things, we can encourage each other to um, and share some of those experiences of the risen Christ. We just uh, went through 40 days of adoration in preparation for Easter And in adoration, we are before the Blessed Sacrament, the real presence of Jesus Christ among us. Isn't that how Christ has promised to be with us throughout time? He was there in person with the apostles and allowed them to touch his hands and feet and side. But that's how we experience him physically, don't we? Indeed. We we experience him most really when we encounter him, as the scriptures say, in the breaking of the bread. He gives us his very body and his very blood. And he gives us the gifts of the Eucharist. It's beautiful to pray and adore him in the, in the Blessed Sacrament, but the real pinnacle is when we can receive him in Holy Communion, mm-hmm. when we hold him in our hands or receive him on our tongue and we consume th- that sacred host and Jesus is within us. He 
dwells within us. We carry him in our very selves. You can't get closer to a person than that, can you? You know, um, he, 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 that's where we encounter him most, most strongly. You're, you're so right. And, but again, I go back on scripture because I think we don't want to just go through the motions. Hmm. We want to understand what we're doing. Um, we want to devote ourselves to those sacred scriptures. Read where he, read, you know, go back to this Last Supper scene. Read his words. Go back to the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus where they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. And, you know, this week is, is, is an interesting week on the weekday cycle. Um, there's a little bit of a pattern that happens in Easter. The first week, the octave, is all resurrection appearances. The second week is... Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, and it's all about baptism. But then on Friday, we had the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, and so this week, it's John chapter 6, the Bread of Life Discourse. And um, and really, that's where you tie together the experience of Jesus, knowing Jesus, of being fed, and in the Eucharist, and of eternal life that this is the food for eternal life. So that's a nice thing to read, too, John chapter 6. But we'll be focusing on that gift of, of the Eucharist. And that's where you and I can experience in a very tangible way the real presence of Jesus Christ in his risen body. Um, so that's great. And isn't it a beautiful time of the year? So many of our young Children are receiving their first Holy Communion, encountering him for the first time in Holy Communion. And isn't it sometimes that when we see a child receive the Eucharist for the first time, Jesus for the first time, it enlivens the truth of what they're receiving because maybe we have taken it for granted? Yes. Yes, when you see the earnestness of some of these children, the tranquility, the gratitude— it always left something within us. You're exactly right. And then on Sunday, we move to John 10. Uh, mm. I am the Good Shepherd. Yes, they often call it Sunday. It's the fourth Sunday of Easter. That's its proper name, but people often refer to it as Good Shepherd Sunday. Mm. And we, re, we refer to Christ, who is the Good Shepherd. Um, Pope Francis had a great line. He said, a really good shepherd is all over the flock. Sometimes the good shepherd leads the flock, plots out the path. Sometimes the good shepherd's walking in the middle of the flock, accompanying, getting to know, listening, encouraging. And uh, sometimes the good shepherd's at the back of the flock, kind of uh, picking up the slack, you might say, <laughs> um, <laughs> keeping everybody together. Maybe, and then we have the, the shepherd who goes look, looking for the sheep. And that's Christ. Christ accompanies us. Sometimes he's leading us and charging forth, and sometimes Christ is walking very quietly, saying very little, but listening without our realizing it. And sometimes he's kind of pushing us along. <laughs> Uh, picking up the slack, giving us a little different kind of encouragement. So, yes, um, so Christ, our good shepherd. So, And then the other thing we often do on this fourth Sunday is we pray for vocations. We pray for our shepherds on earth. You know, uh, remember um, the encyclical of uh, St. Uh, John Paul II, 
pastores dabovobis, I will give you shepherds. Um, Christ did not leave his church without shepherds. And so we pray for religious vocations and vocations to the priesthood um, that we may always have shepherds, but not just any old shepherd, shepherds after the heart of Jesus, mm-hmm. shepherds filled with the love and the zeal. And so please pray for me. You know, at the chrism ask, part of the ritual is I ask everyone there, please pray for me. I need it. Please pray for me and pray for all of our priests, um, especially in these days, that we may be good shepherds, generous shepherds, that we might seek always to know Christ. We we need those prayers because we know where we fall weak, but we know that Christ is always stronger than our greatest weakness. And as we wrap up, uh, this month is National Child Abuse Prevention Month. Uh, it's a time for us to remember the dignity and vital truth that young people are the most precious gift we have. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, child abuse shows itself in so, so many ways. Um, and so we pray for an end to any kind of abuse, whether it be physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse of minors, um, whether it be... Um, uh, it's, uh, it, I can't get over the reality of human trafficking that takes place right under our noses, right here in, in the Columbus area uh, through the freeway system. Um, but, you know, child abuse... Um, that that happens because of of situations of neglect or poverty or um, whatever it might be, and we commit ourselves. We commit ourselves to being vigilant. We commit ourselves to being generous uh, and um, and creating environments that are safe. We've learned uh, we've learned over the years, and we need always to be vigilant. And uh, I would be remiss in saying it um, is so important to pray with our family. It is. It is. We need good families, strong families. And as we pray as families, you, you know, families that pray together will be able to then to give witness together. And that's what we need. We go back to, you know, go back to that, that notice from the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus first called his, his those apostles, and really all, a lot of his disciples, the, the the apostles whom he sent. But a lot of the men and women, you know, think of the some of the great women who followed Jesus. He calls them first of all to be friends, and then he calls them. He sends them as witnesses. And so today, too, our families, by praying together, by being strong together, and then just living that out, the joy. And the tranquility that comes from that, we have some powerful witnesses in our midst, powerful, powerful witnesses of Jesus Christ. Bishop Brennan, could you close us with a prayer and a blessing? By all means. Queen of heaven, rejoice. Alleluia. The son whom you married to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O virgin, Mary, alleluia, for the Lord is truly risen. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
And thank you for joining Bishop Robert J. Brennan for his weekly Faith Dialogue on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio during this third week of Easter. And now we rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.